made it. This is our final podcast for the book study, Sacred Pathways. Thank you for joining us for chapters 11 and 12, Intellectuals and Book Wrap-Up. If you haven't filled out the questionnaire in your book, go ahead and do that now. Also, there is one attached in the original email titled Intro. If you haven't read the chapters yet and intend to, now is a great time to do that. However, feel free to do that after listening to this podcast. All right, let's get right to it. Last week, I was a little long. Um, I'm going to try to be a little bit more concise today, and then we'll hand it off to our special guest to conclude this study. My three takeaways for intellectual were, the first was, intellectual is not code word for high IQ or nerd. Intellectual has nothing to do with IQ. Rather, it describes those believers whose hearts are most formed toward God when they understand new concepts and gain new insights and increased comprehension. God gave us a mind for a reason. Exploring the truths of God and knowing the God we are emotionally engaging with is a big deal. Intellectual pursuit and service have played a key role in the advancement of God's work. One writer has pointed out that the main reason the early church was so successful in its witness to the pagan world was that it not only outlived and outdied the world, it also outthought it. My uh, second takeaway was biblical precedence. I wanted to establish biblical precedence for using the mind in our Christian faith. Um, first was Psalm 49. Uh, this was used in the book. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The meditation of my heart will give you understanding. I, I will turn my ear to a proverb, and with the heart I will expound my, my riddle. Proverbs 1 five through seven. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, and saying the riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Our culture tells us to seek fame and fortune, affluence and power, the Bible tells us that our first search, our primary calling, is to get wisdom and understanding. That's what the Bible says. Um, and he goes through, Gary Thomas goes through a little story um, that you might remember of Jesus being found in the temple, even as a young, young boy. Um, they couldn't find him. And where was he? He was teaching and instructing and engaging in intellectual pursuits surrounding um, the church and uh, the current religion. Disciplines. All right, my third takeaway uh, was to highlight the disciplines that were outlined in this chapter, which were church history, biblical studies, systematic theology, ethics, apologetics, and creeds. Church history is just what it sounds like a study of our collective Christian pursuits through the years past. It is always important for the believer to look back and see God's faithfulness to our churches through the centuries, and it can inspire faith and encourage that He is the same God and will continue to be faithful to us now. 
Biblical Studies. Biblical Studies is divided into three components, reading Scripture, meticulous study of portions of Scripture, also known as exegesis, and reading books that help us understand what Scripture says, which is exactly what we're doing with this podcast. Systematic Theology. This is the study of Christian doctrines such as salvation, the Trinity, eschatology, and so on and so forth. That is systematic theology. Ethics. Christianity is about what we believe, but it's also about how we behave. Ethics seeks to answer the question, how shall we then live, which is popularized by Francis Schaeffer's book of the same name. Salvation is about more than missing hell. It's about being transformed, changed here on earth. Apologetics. Apologetics concerns how we explain and defend the faith in the midst of unbelief. It also involves defending true Christian doctrine in the face of heresy, especially as propagated in Christian and non-Christian cults. I believe that apologetics has never been more important for the church than it is right now. Cults and uh, false doctrine is so accessible now uh, through media, through technology, that it's never been more important to have true doctrine, the true beliefs, what the Bible really says, easily accessible. Creeds. My favorite creeds are the rock band version from the 90s and 2000s that had Scott Stapp as the lead singer uh, wearing leather pants. You all remember this creed? Okay. <laughs> maybe, if, uh, maybe if you're a teenager, you won't remember that creed. But anyway, I had to do it. Low-hanging fruit. Yes, sorry. Creeds are vital. I believe a lot of creeds are now in the form of worship songs. They are disguised with catchy melodies. Some of these are literally called the creed like the one by Hillsong, but there are many statements of faith in song that form modern creeds. Creeds, creeds, simply put, regularly remind us of doctrine that help guide our lives and that readily promote our faith, establishing common grounds of belief for the believers. There are temptations for the intellectual. They are loving controversy. Oh, maybe I am an intellectual after all. <laughs> Knowing rather than doing. And finally, being proud. To wrap it all up, I want to read 2 Timothy 2, 23-25 for you as just a warning and encouragement, again, for intellectuals. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. And if you want to check that out for yourself again, that is in 2 Timothy 2. Well, thank you for joining us, you smarties. Uh, that's the final sac sacred pathway that we will be covering. And to conclude our study together, I'd like to hand it over to the one and only Peyton Keller. Thank you for joining us. Peyton, take it away. Right, thanks, Rob. I get the pleasure of wrapping up this study with by far my favorite chapter of the entire book, and it's called Tending the Garden of the Soul. He actually starts this chapter by telling the story of two gardeners. There's one who tended and one who neglected their garden. And by no surprise, the one who tended their garden, it thrived, and the other, it withered. 
And the beauty of this book, the beauty of this study, the beauty of the sacred pathways is that it's calling us towards, it's not the matter of how we tend our gardens, how we worship, but it's the importance on that we do, that we take the time to spend time with God, however we connect with him. And I just want to take this moment um, on this idea of tending our gardens, because I think it's something that um, is really in our heads um, in the Western church, but not necessarily hasn't made those 12 inches to our hearts. And I think we have this habit of claiming no relation to the Israelites as they doubt God um, and as they turn away from God and call them crazy. Yet we over and over and over again act just like them. We doubt. We run away. We ask him to take us back into slavery. We forget that just yesterday he was faithful in providing. We idolize our kids. We idolize our jobs. We idolize ourselves, our hobbies, our husbands, our wives, and put all of those things over God himself. We tend those gardens plenty, yet the garden that truly satisfies, it decays next door. I'm guilty of this. I mean, come on. I literally wrote a whole EP about how God was and is unraveling and dethroning idols from my life every single day. It's painful. It's hard. It's beautiful. All in one breath. Yet we have access to God through the blood of Jesus. We have the freedom to read um, and memorize the word of God. Not only that, but God has placed all of us being a part of this worship team in an opportunity to stand on a platform and lead his church in worship. We don't want your talent. We don't. We want the heart that you have for the Lord. We want the spirit that you carry. We want to encounter and see Jesus, our Savior, through and working in you team if i can't stress this enough but it is not about you it is not about me this is about the garden tend it endlessly fervently and passionately the fruit of your life it will it will say it all how we worship it will say it all how we surrender our lives unto god and give him absolutely everything, all of our attention and all of our devotion. We will see it in our garden. You know, that that's easy for me to say, you know, and say, do it, do it, do it. And I think I really struggled with this at the beginning of my faith of, you know, I was raised in the church, but I really did not start following Jesus until I came to the fellowship when I was 17, 18 years old. And I remember sitting in a blue chair and saying, I want to know Jesus and I have no idea how to do it. (laughs) I want to have a relationship with the Jesus that I knew when I was younger, the Jesus who saved me when I was younger. I know I have the Holy Spirit because I can see the the faithfulness and his protection over my life throughout these years. The things I've said no to, the things that I ran away from, it was absolutely not my flesh. I know it was Jesus, but God, how do I have a relationship with you? 
And so again, sometimes I just think we all don't know where to start. And that's why I think we're really excited about this study um, because the psalm even states that our strength is in our knowledge. Knowledge gives us the ability to access, to to change, to be sanctified, to guide us um, on how to tend the garden. You know, Thomas says this in the last um, chapter as well. It says, discovering our spiritual temperaments is a means by which we can achieve the desired end knowing God and obeying his call on our life. Come on, I wish I knew had this book when I was 17, 18, trying to follow Jesus. Like he was so close, but how do I do it? How do I tend this garden? How do I have a relationship with you? How do I be disciplined in that? And I also love that he connected um, the study to the Enneagram. I'm a big Enneagram girly because honestly, it just gave me insight into who I actually was and not necessarily who I wanted to be perceived as. Um, Because every time I tested for the Enneagram, I got a different number because it's hard to see ourselves for what we actually are. Um, We judge ourselves based on our intentions and we judge others based on their actions. I've found that to be true in my life, at least, you know. You know, I, I wanted to be the fun one. I, I feel like I always tested as a seven. I wanted to be Rob. Seven, enthusiast, being crazy, you know, fun, everybody, life of the party. But in actuality, I was the exact opposite. I'm a four, which is very inward and romanticizing life and wants to be alone and all of those things. So it is what it is. But as a four, I'm a part of the heart triad. So I lean more into the acidic, uh, the contemplative, and and a little bit of the enthusiast, which lines right up and is wild to me. Um, and a little too exposing and vulnerable that I can be nailed to a T. So, ew. <laughs> the point is now that I have some resources to help me along the way on the days where I feel really disconnected and I'm not sure how to get back um, to my relationship with God. I don't know how to get back um, into my prayer life um, and feel connected with God. And so as a ascetic and a contemplative, I just really need to be alone with God. I really need to be self-disciplined consistently. Um, I need those moments of private worship and private conversation and private prayer, um, the times in um my room at night where I'm singing this song that is just for me and the Lord um, and just sitting down and worshiping um, through prayer and through song and through word, having those um, moments to feel closest to God. And so I take the long way home and drive under the speed limit so I can just have a moment, especially since both of my jobs are very people oriented and I love it. Um, But I think I can find myself Um, If I don't have those moments where I'm leaning into my sacred pathways, I can feel my flesh taking charge. I can become sharp and verdant and maybe have a little bit of an attitude problem. And I find myself just being quick um, to speak and quick to anger um, and not slow to listen and not slow to, to hear and to love and to care. Again, they're just resources for us to tend the garden of our souls. You know, they're all fluid. As we grow, as we um, age, we all have the right and honestly should be aiming to 
to always be changing and always be growing and always being sanctified to look more like Jesus. So let them be a pathway for you to tend the garden of your soul and know Jesus deeply. I want to finish off our study um, with an excerpt off page 240. Um, it's the perfect one because it's an invitation and I think it's a great reminder. And so it says this, we were made to love God. Think about that for a minute. We were made to love God. Like the two gardeners mentioned at the beginning of this chapter, each of us stands before an open plot of land. God will scorn heaven and earth to provide us with what we need to plant and maintain a beautiful garden of love, intimacy, and fellowship with Him. Not a second of our existence passes without God thinking about how to turn our hearts towards Him. Not a single second. The almost unbelievable joy it is that you can enjoy a relationship with God that He will have with no one else. And God eagerly passionately yearns for that relationship to begin. God is just as eager to love and know you as he was to know Moses, David, and Mary. You are no less precious to him than were the heroes of the faith. But each one of these saints spent time cultivating and growing their relationship with God. Each one made knowing God the chief passion of their hearts. Will you respond to this same invitation today? Team, that is our encouragement to you. Will you respond to that invitation? Will you tend the garden? Will you make God the chief passion of your heart? We've loved doing this study with you. If you haven't gotten a chance to read it and listen to all of the podcasts, we highly encourage you to do so. We're going to leave them up. Um, so you guys have access to them all the time. And we've just loved doing the study with you. Thank you guys for following along. And we'll see you next time.